Welcome to the Hard Lessons Podcast. On this show, Ben Brown joins us to speak on his recent book, along with his valuable insights and perspectives. Ben touches on his fear of the comfort zone, how his mindset shifted the first year of university, our next generation along with issues, and much more. So, so I know um, I've been seeing your book out, and then I saw yeah. there was a few issues with that. What, like... Oh, with, with getting the book set up? Yeah, like I'm... The book was a process, man. It was because it started. It like I would. You would think that you're releasing a book. The hardest part is writing it. Yeah. Coming up with ideas, topics, stuff like that. Interviewing people, getting feedback on it. But I would say the hardest part of getting that set up was actually getting the book out. Because um, when I when I first created it, so the book took me about uh, probably about four ish months in total. Two and a half of that was probably like actually writing it. Yeah. So, if you can imagine. Um, but, so, you, you write a book, and a lot of times, as soon as you sit down and you just start going, your mind's just got so many ideas, things you want to talk about. Like, if you were to write a book about landscaping today, yeah, how much do you know about manual labor and stuff like that? Like, how many topics would you want to put in there? So, like, yeah, it's endless, right? So, it's like all those thoughts at once. And, and you just start, so you, you, what you end up doing is you end up just writing so many different things and it's all mashed up so now you need to compartmentalize each topic idea the point you're trying to make and then connect it to something because the other thing too is you gotta you gotta phrase it in a way that people are gonna want to read it yeah right like that's so how did you do that you have all these ideas it's not like chapter one can be tapping into all these different ideas you have like how did you organize that and then break it down so a reader can can understand it i guess yeah i mean it was and spread it across whatever 200 300 pages you've been on this journey you started way earlier than me with you know getting things set up finding what you're passionate about pursuing your goals stuff like that yeah so you're you're already way ahead of the curve than i was right when i was 17 i was still you know partying and and doing all these stuff like that i wasn't i wasn't thinking about my future (laughs) nonetheless running a business yeah right um so i started it from there and all the things that happened from when I was 17 to when I was now 21, uh, that made me, you know, put, put me on the path, basically. So I was basically just talking about that road. So I was thinking about each individual year, sort of, like a three-month time span. So chapter one was like three months at a time. Chapter one was three months. Chapter two was three months. Chapter three was three months. And then I started, did a little bit of skip forward to when some more important stuff happened. Because, you know, everybody has like those slow periods in their yeah. life. Um, so yeah, it was just finding the, the key, the key things that happened to me that put, that brought me to where I am today. Cause it was a radically different place than one where I was at seven at 17. Yeah. Right yeah. On. Good, good. I, I know we've chatted previously, but walk me through, and obviously there was a tipping point of when like the, the switch flipped. Yeah. Um, walk me through kind of, uh, your story, your background, how you got started and more importantly, like what, what you're doing today, your day to day, and then also your goals. What, where, where you're going yeah I mean, it's, it's it's such a fast process and it's so it's so uh volatile the it's this entire i mean 17 18 19 20 21 all of those years of my life have been incredibly volatile with everything that's happened and even still like you know you want to talk about from september to now we're in january like there's things that have happened throughout that time that's like what what 
you know, just completely caught me out of left field. And I'll get a little bit more into that in a second. Um, but yeah, basically when I was, um, so when I was in high school, I was in high school during 2020. So I was in grade 12, March, 2020 lockdown. Yeah. So my last day of school, I didn't know it was my last day. I came in there. It was a normal day. And you know, they, they said on the announcements, like, uh, March break's going to be extended by two weeks. I was like, oh, yeah, two weeks, uh, two yeah. extra two week vacation. You know, you get fired up as a kid. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, yeah, whatever. And then, you know, next thing you know, graduating over a zoom call kind of thing. And, uh, a lot of people, the pandemic, I think really messed them up socially, right? Cause they spent so much time in isolation. They spent so much time, uh, feeling like the victim, I think is, is, uh, the better way to say that because there's like, I don't, I don't get my prom. I don't get my graduation. I don't get to see my friends. I don't get my first year experience of university. It's just all these things that they felt the world was conspiring against them. But I sat there during that time. So somehow I was, I was not very, you know, pragmatic, but I sat there and I, th- and I thought, you know, I have this time right now to reflect and to think about what I want to do with my life. I would never ever have this kind of time because if you, if you think about life when everything, if you compare life now where everything's open to when we're all locked down, it's so much faster pace when you're just like day to day, go, go, go. I got to go here. I got to go there. But it was like, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. You know, I, there's, there's nothing for me to do. So I gotta, I gotta, you know, really think, think you got a chance to think about life in a way you never, you never could have before it happened. So I, I, Still to this day, I saw it then and I see it now as one of the best things that ever happened to me was that pandemic, was that time to think, right? Because, you know, I was always, what's the next thing to do with my friends? Where's the next place we're going? What's the next, you know, what's the next activity? I was always just... the next pleasure? Yeah, exactly. Just searching for the next thing to make me feel, you know, excited. Right. Um, So now I didn't have that. So I I started to think about, okay, like this can't, this this can't be all that there is to life, right? Because I really started to pay attention. And I don't know if it was just, you know, maybe the things I was seeing on social media, but I was like, there can't, this can't be it to life where it's, you go to school, you go to post-secondary, you get your diploma, then you take that to someone who's going to give you a job, then you're under their control. And I was like, that can't be it. Like, this cannot be the end, the reason that we're all here. But everybody else around me was all on that path. They all knew what they wanted to do for a job, for the, I mean, for the most part. Um, they all knew where they were going to school. They were all excited to be going to school. But there was nobody had that drive to create change, to make an impact, right? You look at any successful entrepreneur, especially like yourself, there's something that's driving that, right? It's like, I want to make this impact. I want to help people for this reason. But nobody had that. Everybody was thinking, you know, what's, what's going to give me the best sort of salary with the benefits, with the work-life balance. How am I going to be able to go, you know, vacation for X amount of time throughout the year? And, you know, I've, that, that just never appealed to me. I, I want to do so. I was like, you know what? I'm 17 years old right now, but I don't want to ever have to answer to somebody for the rest of my life, right? Because that's, that just seems, like a, it just seems like a waste of potential to me. So then I started to, I started to reflect, and then over the time I started to, you know, because my first year of university was uh, was completely online, and uh, so I just I really focused on on studying, which was the first time that re- that re- ever really <laughs> happened for me. So I really focused on academic academic piece, and uh, you know, I'm pursuing a communications degree, 
so you learn how to write and how to think and how to formulate ideas. And I started, we, we always had to read uh, things by these like theorists, Plato, Karl Marx, uh, Althusser, you know, all these, all these great thinkers, right? I mean, some of them did some bad things in their lives, but, but they had the, all, all had really unique ways of thinking. So I, you know, being locked down, that's all I could study. That that their philosophies, their outlooks on life, and 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 whatnot. And that was first year. This was first year. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, but it was all I could do, right? Because then in my second year, everything opened back up. So my first year, I, I really, I, it was basically I was focusing on my studies, and then I was focusing on uh, fitness. So those are the two things I had in my life that was my sole focus. Right. Right. I was also in a relationship at that time too, so it was, it, it wasn't too bad. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, uh, it was a good time. But I, I really started to develop a sense of self over that time, self-respect, goals, ambitions, dreams, um, and I started to sort of develop a more nuanced understanding of the way the world works. By no means does anybody know how the world truly works, but I was starting, I was starting to see the world differently, and sort of escape that that instant gratification seeking mindset. So, so then my second year, I thought, okay, you know, I, I need to get involved in something. So like I, cause I knew that I always have to, had to have another thing in my life. Like I can never just be doing one thing. I always need to have that second, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, and honestly, I've been struggling with that, with spreading myself too thin. Mm -hmm. Like how are you going to be good at 10 different things? But at the same time, you know, I agree doing, doing that to, to an extent, uh, not being too crazy with it. But exactly. Ba like balancing yourself out, balancing yourself out for sure. Yeah, for sure. And keeping it exciting. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, to make a long story short, cause it's a very long story. It, it's 200 pages I mean, worth of uh, stuff. But, um, yeah, my second year I wanted to get involved with something. So I got involved, uh, doing personal training at a local fitness center. And then the, the owner of that gym sort of became my mentor, uh, because he was, uh, he was a guy that really understood the way the world worked for, for some reason. Uh, it's always the people that, that aren't in any sort of like crazy, you know, powerful position. Like he just ran like a little small gym, but he had a really clear understanding of how people worked and how people interacted. And he, he started to explain to me the ins and outs of running a business, the ins and outs of managing people, negotiating, sales, all these, all these very important skills. And I, and I really admired him. He's a very, he's a very stern man. But he was he, like he was just so principled, you know. You ever meet somebody and they're just so principled, like you know they they have such clear standards for the way they do things, and I really admired that because it's something you don't see very often, especially with men nowadays. They they lack principle. They lack any sort of backbone. Yeah. Not not everybody, but it's it's becoming less common that you know somebody's going to say no to something, right? And he was that kind of guy. Uh, he was a father. He had three kids. He was a great great man. Um, very stern, but he, he instilled a, a very strict sense of discipline. And basically, to make a long story short, his, his key takeaway that I took from him was that whatever you do, you have to give it your all, and it has to be something that you can, that you can really help people with. Right? So for him, it was people's fitness journeys. Yeah. I knew I, personal training wasn't, wasn't uh, or the fitness industry in general wasn't something that I wanted to be involved in uh, as a job uh, forever. But it was great. It was a great starting point. So through that, through that experience, as I was just volunteering there in exchange for a free membership, because you know I was a student, right? I was anything, you know, to 
and you can get for free as a student is awesome. And was at that out near near Laurier? Or? Yeah, it was right up the street from where I was staying. Yeah, uh, at, in Laurier. So this is this is in Waterloo. Um, so yeah, through that I got an internship at a marketing role through one of the members. She was mentioning that her st- son was studying something similar. So I pursued the internship. It was an unpaid internship, and most people think it was just kind of you know unpaid internship. But for me, I was so excited because. At that point, I was just looking to get involved in more things. I was like, how, how much experience can I gain in my time here? Which is, I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like that's not the way a lot of kids who go to school approach going to school. They don't think, how much experience of the real world can I get? It's more so how much experience can I get in terms of going out, you know, making friends, you know, yeah. just doing sort of unproductive things. And if that's your thing, that's fine. But it wasn't my thing because I was thinking long-term, which was the first time I was doing this in a while, because bear in mind, two years ago, that was, I was on the other side, right? I was all, all about the partying and what's, what's the next sort of instant gratification I can get, right? So now I'm in this new phase and I was really fixated on getting so much experience. But and you're, you're 19 now, right? 19, yeah. yeah. But it's like you talk about, you know, I was, I, I might've been spreading myself a little bit thin over time because at this point, you know, it's February, March, 2022, and I'm fitness trainer, student, and working this unpaid interest. So I'm working two jobs in addition to school, making no money at either job. So it's just all experience. But it was, but it just felt like the right thing to do, right? It just felt like I was, I was, I was learning, and and it was the right thing to do because I I developed a sense of more of a sense of self, but also I, I developed sort of time management skills, which is so critical. Um, but eventually it did get to a point where I had to sort of pick a path and stay with it. So that summer I ended up going on staff at this uh, software development company on their marketing team. And then I was doing a couple summer courses. So I was staying up in Waterloo for that summer. And, you know, it was, it was the dream situation for me, but still it just felt like there was something missing. And it felt like that for a while, especially going into my third year throughout the year because I was, you know, st- I was in school and I was in this marketing gig, but you know, like I was just you know, marketing this, is this what I want to do? But one of the things about that role that was very important <clears throat> was that my main, one of my main sort of responsibilities was writing blogs. And this was something again that I'd never done, but basically I would write blogs about different things about software development. I don't know a lot about software development, but I would have to you know, research and learn things and then communicate my points across. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, put my name on something and put it on the internet. For some reason, it was just like, I know that, so, it was just something that I was like, yeah, something I created is online, anybody could see it. Just felt really good. But still, I was like, you know, this isn't something I want to be doing forever, so. But it was comfortable, right? Paycheck every month, you know, as a student, it's awesome. I bought a car. You know, I was able to do things that a lot of other students weren't because they weren't getting that sort of steady, steady pay, um, you know, working this kind of job. And I was getting real world, world experience, so it just felt like a win. But then over time, it slowly started to, that feeling, that excitement sort of slowly started to fade away. Because I was really excited about it in the summer. I was like, oh my God, this is my first, like, corporate job. I was working in a restaurant, busting tables this time last year, and I was, you know, I was really excited. And then, so yeah, third year. And then towards the end of my third year of university, this is when I got involved in the news. 
and this sort of came out of left field. But basically, to make a long story short, my brother uh, is a hockey player. They were playing in some major tournament up in Waterloo, coincidentally, and they ended up winning it. And um, throughout the whole time, I was I was thinking to myself, I was all the parents were saying like, it's crazy that these kids are the the highest level team to ever win this OHF hockey tournament from Oakville. And there's been like not even a congratulations tweet, not even a good luck email from the league, nothing. And I was thinking like, yeah, that's kind of crazy that, that that that's happening. At this point, I kind of considered myself a writer because I was writing blogs for this company and I had a, a Medium account. I don't know if you know what Medium is, but basically it's a it's a website where anybody can just go and write stories or you know blogs or just talk about anything really and you have your own account and you can see what and, other people and are you still at the, the doing the corporate job or did you leave that i'm still at the corporate job yeah um yeah i didn't leave that till actually a couple months ago i'll get into that in a sec um but basically yeah so yeah i was writing on medium i was writing for the corporate job and i was you know i was like i consider myself a writer right because you know people were were messaging me and saying you know i like this stuff you're talking about you good tone of voice that kind of thing so my you know ego was starting to build <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, no, I'm a writer, so why don't I write something about for these kids? So yeah, I, I ended up going home that night, and I wrote a news story about them winning that tournament, and I submitted it to a local paper, forgot about it, went on with it, actually forgot about it, and then two days later, I get, I start, I was at work, and I just felt my phone buzzing, and I you know, I was in a meeting, so I couldn't answer it, but I just kept buzzing. I was like, one second, guys. So I just stepped out, and I and I pulled it up because I thought it was like an emergency or something. And I just see, like, ding, 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 like all these different text messages coming up from, like, my parents, from, like, my brother's teammates, from my brother, family members, friends, stuff like that, saying that my story got published in the Oakville News. And I was like, what? Like, nobody, like, emailed me. Nobody, like, texted me. Nobody called me. I was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. So I was, like, I was, like, shaken. Because I was like, what does this mean? Kind of yeah. thing. And it's, it, so it was the first time I've ever been published in something. And it was like a big, bigger platform. So I was like freaking out kind of thing. So I ended up calling him. And uh, Nolan, the president of Oakville News, is a fantastic guy. Fantastic guy. He's he's probably one of the most important people uh, in my life over you know my journey so far. He's just, just such a good-hearted man and really, really cares about people. Um, so he talked to me about it. He, he was like, listen, you know, let's, let's have coffee chat sometime because I, you know, I like this story. I like the way you write. And I think that there could be a possibility that you know, maybe you could contribute more for me. So yeah, I was fired up. Um, you know, cause I was like the president of the paper wants to talk to me. He likes my story, this and that. So I'm living in Waterloo at this time, still working the corporate job, still in school. So now Oakville news, it, they, they want to chat with me. So I'm like, okay. So I go. And uh, I meet with Nolan at a coffee shop just up the street, actually. And um, and he and so he comes in, and uh, you know we're having a conversation. Very very polite man. And, but he he's just so one of the, one of the things I really admired about him right away was just how much knowledge you you, know, you ever meet somebody who's in like maybe like in the like a certain industry. Like, yeah, like, but like your industry in landscaping. You meet somebody who just has so many more years on you, and you can just tell that they just so know. many more reps. Yeah, work from it. Exactly right. You just admire it. You feel that energy kind of thing. So that was what it was like. As soon as he walked in, I just felt like I just felt like yeah, he's got so much experience uh, doing this. 
and he does. So, so he starts chatting with me, and he was basically saying, I mean, he was basically saying, yeah, Leo, you can contribute as a freelance writer for Oakville News, uh, but you got to find your own stories. So at that moment, I was like, who? You know, because I'm living in Waterloo. I'm yeah. in school there. I work there. And now an hour and a, an hour and a bit away in Oakville, I'm supposed to find stories about stuff that's happening. I was like, how, how's that going to happen? Yeah. But the one thing about me and... Uh, the one thing about a lot of the guys in my family is that I think that anytime we set our mind to something, it's going to happen. So I was, whatever, for whatever reason, I was like, I, I wasn't worried about it because I was like, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen. So yeah, flash forward over time, contributing articles uh, here and there, miscellaneous stories, this and that. Uh, it was hard because I was, again, I was working up there in Waterloo. I was in school there. I was home on the weekends kind of thing. So I was writing the odd story here and there, but every story I did write, I usually got really great feedback on, and that was really like rewarding. It was a really rewarding feeling that people cared about the stuff. And, I was and was that about. because you were able to find like the interesting topics, or just how you framed whatever you wrote about? It was a bit of both. Uh, people liked the way I write uh, for some reason. I, I guess I, I had a different approach than uh, than traditional news style. I mean, now you know, been doing this coming up almost a year. Uh, looking back on some of the, my original stories, I kind of cringe a little bit <laughs> just because I, I would never write like that now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people just liked the way I was able to communicate my points and it, they thought it was kind of engaging. So it was really, really validating. So, you know, I, I, I loved doing that. And I, and I really, I wish that, that that could be the thing I was doing. So I was contributing to them for about six months, and uh, as a freelance writer, you know, your story was one of my big ones too. Um, and then this past October, so literally October second, I still remember the exact date. This past year, I remember it was Monday morning, and in uh, my my uh, my old job, the the corporate job, the software development company. Every Monday, we'd have a marketing team meeting, yeah. where we basically just go over things we're going to do for the week. Marketing meetings always at 10 a.m. So I was getting ready for the day because I had a class after. So I had a couple classes after. I had a full day packed. So I was, you know, I was getting fired up because I was in a good mood. I, you know, was well rested. I was feeling good. Put on a nice button down shirt, ready to go for the day, kind of thing. And then I get a text from my boss in the morning, and he's like, "Hey man, can you get on the Zoom call a few minutes, few minutes early?" And I immediately I was like, "Hmm, that doesn't sound good." This company, to give you some background, they struggled with revenue forever. Like they, they were a family-run business. The the marketing team, it was me and two other people. The two other people were the CEO's kids. Kind of, so I was kind of not an outsider, but I, I wasn't, you know, yeah, I wasn't top dog around there. Um, so I always knew that when it came time for cuts, and he, the CEO, was always saying, the "Cuts are coming, cuts are coming," but I never thought they were going to come until they came. Uh, so yeah, basically they said that they had to let me go because they didn't have the money to pay me anymore. Yeah. And uh, it was nothing to do with performance. He sent me a letter about that. Yeah, they just didn't have the money to pay me. And I was devastated. I was so freaking, I was so, I was so upset because this was like, it was, it was a sense of comfort. It was stability. It was like, I know this money's going to come in every week. I had a car, I had car payments, this and that. I was like, oh my God, how am I going to get back to Oakville to do my news stories now? Like, it just felt like everything was like, I was just like, you know, 
something. And, and this is recent because the last time I spoke with you was like September. Yeah, September. I haven't talked to you since this happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this was very recent. Um, yeah. So I was just like, oh my god. Like it was, it was a Monday morning too, and I had to go through the rest of the day with just that looming thought in my head. I was like, wow. The, like this time ne- next week, I'm gonna be out of a job. But I'm sure many, many people would have played the victim. And as you mentioned, they got so used to being allowed to do that throughout COVID. Of, like, they were able to say everything wasn't their fault and play the victim and poor me. But what, what do you feel you did to uh, like overcome that and turn around the rest of your week? Because some people could have just wrote off that week or wrote off that month. Well, that's a very good question. That's a very, that's a very good uh, question. Because you're right. 100% people would have played the victim. And I remember <clears throat> I remember talking to people around me when I was going through it. I was like, I'm, I'm glad that I'm the person I am today because the person I was this time last year would not be able to handle this, right? So basically, yeah, it sucked. And I wanted to sort of play the victim, but I knew, again, that I couldn't do that because that's when you go on a downward, downward spiral. Downward spirals are real. One bad thing happens to you, another bad thing happens to you, another bad thing happens to you. But I've always believed that you can change it to an upward spiral. Bad thing happens to you. Good thing happens. This, that, this, that. So, you know, they say that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. I think that that's the saying. Yeah. Um, so I had been, at this point, writing for the paper for six months. But I was thinking there's no way that they're going to bring me on staff because, you know, they, they we have like 13 other writers and... You know, I, I, I didn't, they, they never mentioned any job opening opportunities. So I was, like, they, I was like, I don't know. But I knew that they were good people and that they always had my back. They still do. So I, I, you know, I reached out to Nolan and I was like, hey, you know, just so you know, I, uh, I'm out of a job as of today. Um, maybe if you have any more stories that come your way, reach out to me, let me know. And at, th- at that point he was like, yeah, we don't really have any openings right now. So, um. I'll, if more stuff comes out, I'll make sure to give it to you. Make sure to help you out. Very sorry that that happened. I'm sure they're going to miss you. You know, he, he's, he's a good guy. So I was like, you know, what am I going to do? Right? Because, you know, the stories, the stories were good, but they weren't enough to, you know, keep up with my car payments at that time. So I was like, shoot. Like, what am I going to do? Right? Because if I can't get back to Oakville and write my news stories, then I can't do that. So it was whatever. I, I just, I, I knew that I had to take it one day at a time and, and, you know, incremental progress. So I just did my normal stuff. I, you know, I did my schoolwork like I normally would. I wrote my news stories like I normally would. I did my job for you know, my two weeks notice like I normally would. I just went on with it. I didn't hang my head down. Yeah, there were tears. I was very distraught about it at first, but eventually, um, I got a call from Nolan and he's, he calls me up. He's like, he's, he's like, just out of curiosity, what's your sort of availability like kind of thing? Because he knew that I was up in Waterloo for school. And I explained to him, I was like, I'm pretty flexible. <laughs> Whatever you need, I'm, I'm pretty flexible. So he's like, okay, yeah, we just, we've had some things sort of shift around over here. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe the, there could be a, there could be something for you. Just, but don't, this isn't a promise. Just, you know, I'll, I'll, I got, we got some stuff to figure out, but just curious what your availability is like. To send my information, and there was going to be a vacancy at assistant editor. So I was like, so no one's telling me this. And I was like, yes, yes, 
whatever it is, yes. Because I didn't know what it was, really too much what it entailed. He's like, okay, you know, like, it's not official yet, but I, we, I got to talk to some people, but we would like to consider you for the role. I was like, yes. I just kept saying yes. And uh, he's like, okay, we're gonna, we got to figure some stuff out. Eventually, they did figure it out, and they, they offered me the role, assistant editor, you know, Phil News. I was so, so happy, because it was, because I got let go on the Monday, and then this was not that Friday, it was the following Friday, so it was like Monday to Friday, then next week, Monday to Friday, so at this point, my two weeks was up to the day that they told me that I would get the role. I was so fired up, but I didn't know what the role was going to entail, and I didn't know what this meant, sort of, for my situation, right, because I was still at Waterloo for school. This happened, so this happened in October, this is the middle of, almost the middle of the first semester of school. You got to think, you got to think about that. Anybody who's a student can attest that October is not the time you want to have some insane life changes happen to you while you're, while you're going through school. Um, so it was, it was very, uh, stressful that time period where I, where I first got let go. Um, but you know, it's like you said, like I just took it one day at a time. I just started doing positive things, positive thinking. Cause I knew that I knew that it was going to be a good thing. As, as bad as it felt, there's a part of me that, that could tell it was a good thing. So I took that and sort of just sat with it. And it turned out to be probably the best thing that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. As, as bad as it felt in the moment where I was, I felt like all the work that I had done for all that time had just come to a halt and that I wasn't going to be able to continue. I wasn't going to be able to keep doing the things I want to do. And, you know, I'm in my fourth year now. So it happened beginning of my fourth year. I'm like, what, like, what next year I'm going to be exactly where I told myself I didn't want to be. Anyways, um, Oakville News, the, the leadership there is just fantastic. They're such great people, and it was crazy to be going from the, the, the one organization, uh, which was just a family-run business, to this new organization where they, they really just cared about, they care about the people so much, and they care about the community. When I got let go for the job and I transitioned to this role, it, uh, it felt like imposter syndrome at first. You know what that is? You ever had imposter syndrome? Imposter syndrome is like, it's, it's like you just feel like it's too good for you. That's the yeah. situation. So that's kind of how I was like, like putting it on a pedestal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was like, I was like, oh, you know, like this is like a really big deal. Like, how am I, you know, the assistant editor now? Like, it, it almost feels like you're you're in someone else's position. Yeah. Right. So I was like. But whatever, like over that month, they were great with mentoring me and giving me the tools I needed to be successful. And, you know, I, I just had the passion, I still do, like really strong passion for, for writing and for, you know, connecting with people and, uh, and storytelling. So I was just, and I still am, many stories. Like, so the first story, I, I should, probably should have given you some context to this first, but basically to replace my income when I first got let go, I would have had to write. 20 new stories a week and there was there's sorry 20 new stories a month and in my mind at that time i was like there's no way that i could do that because at this point i'm doing like two three a month maybe right. maybe four if i'm lucky so i was like there's no way that i could do that right they brought me on in my first month i wrote 30 stories as a assistant editor and it's been pretty consistent month over month about 25 30 stories per month um and it was just, it was like a new, it was like a new level to this that I didn't think existed. 
but it was just that it was just having that burning desire uh, to get better, get better, get better, do more, do more. Because the other thing that I really liked too, as I mentioned before, I liked knowing that my name was on something out there that people could go and read. Right. So I started building up a portfolio of stories. Building credibility was is obviously important when building your portfolio. And is that the driving factor of enjoying enjoying the journalism? Well, building credibility is is a hundred percent important. Uh, I, but I think one of the one of the best things about journalism is the social proof it gives you. Same thing I talked about with school, right? School gives you the social proof of being a student, which then you can go and use to get opportunities. You can right. use it to get internships, because yeah, you reach out to a you know financial planning company, and you know, hey, I'm Charlie, I want a job. Yeah. Okay, Charlie. Or hey, I'm Charlie. I'm a third year business student at Stanford. Oh, hey, Charlie, how's it going? Yeah, I'd love that. Right. It's, it's, it gives you social proof. Yeah. So I come out. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm Ben. I want to I hear about how your car got broken into last night. That's weird. Hey, I'm Ben. I'm a reporter with the local news. I would like to talk to you about the breaking incident that happened last night. Oh, hey, right. Ben, how's it going? You know, so it just gives you that sort of yeah. that foot in the door. That's one of the things that I really like about it. you got to make people comfortable with talking to you. And you know, in, a, in an age where everybody's so consumed with uh, their phones, TV, this and that, that sense of social connection has really been tampered with, right? So you, you really have to tap back into to that, and uh, if you want to be successful, and successful, successful journalist. But then you also got to think about why you're why you're doing it, right? What what why are you a journalist, right? Why are you in landscaping? Yeah. Why are you in landscaping? I'm actually asking you. I I love the process of. Um, it's a blank canvas. It's art. I've been an artist. I, I always enjoyed it um, from when I was a little kid and also loved being outside. So I put the two and two together from the design process of a blank canvas of the backyard to having your name on this backyard, this pool, this lighting, this patio. That's so cool to me. You see, you see one thing that's nothing go to everything. I love that. Exactly. And now, why, why do you want to be a baker? Why do you want to bake bread? Exactly. You, whenever, whenever you're right. doing something, you have to know exactly why you're, you're doing, doing it. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of people that are in jobs. Why are you doing this? Like, oh, well, I went to school for it. Oh, or, yeah. or you get to pay the bills. Or you, yeah, no, it's good money. Or I get. I get and four. I'm sure if you compared the performance of those two uh, classes of individuals, it would be way way different. Oh, the guy with the guy that knows exactly why he's there is going to smoke you. So you have to know exactly why you're doing it. In my car right now, I have a, a scanner. So I know anytime, you know, emergency services is going to a scene somewhere, I, I'm on their scanner. So I know where they're going to be, why they're going to be Like a CV radio and you get all the... Yeah, I get all, all of the updates. Not with police because they're uh, encrypted. I, I wish I had a police scanner. I know some people do. I don't know if they have one for Halton Police. But yeah, fire and uh, paramedics. Right. Any, anytime they're going somewhere, I know I'm on, I'm on their radio. A few steps back. We're in October. Um, you're new in this editor position, um, and it seems like you're you're still doing that. Um, yeah. Still writing the stories. Yeah. Um, and until till now, right? So that's what that's what keeping you busy. Yep. Um, so how how is that being still in Waterloo? Are you able to do both things online, or what? How are you balancing that out? Because if you're on an Oakville radio in Waterloo, yeah. The accident will be cleaned up. Exactly, yeah. So what I did immediately was I, I knew that there was no use of me being in Waterloo. So I immediately just found a sublet for my apartment there. Cause I, uh, my lease ends in April 
this year up there. So I was like, my classes are two days out of the week. My work schedule is, I'm on deck Thursday to Monday. My classes are within my weekend time. So I was like, I could just commute. I would rather be here doing my work, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, than be up there. Because this is where I'm supposed to be. Beforehand, when I was in my corporate role, when I was doing school, when I was volunteering at the gym, I knew the Waterloo was where I had to be. Just had that, just had that sense of belonging. Now that's here. Now that's here. And I was always worried about that. I was worried about moving back home and not, knew, and not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. But now that I'm here and I'm still in school, I do know what I want to do. So it's just, it's, it's almost like tunnel vision kind of stuff. You kind of put on the, the blinders and you just, you just don't think about it. So, so what, what helped you going, moving out and going to Waterloo? Like what, what happened that you're like, okay, now I figured it out. Was it all the experience, the unpaid jobs, the, uh, losing the job, the eating the shit? Um, like what, what happened? What flipped? It's exactly that. It was knowing, it was knowing that I, I had experience from, I it was taking all those experiences that I had and knowing that I was ready to apply them to something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So it's just, it's just that burning sense of purpose. Right. That's, that's just kept me going because I knew that, that that's not, my story doesn't end by getting let go from, from a job that I started off as an internship in Waterloo in marketing. That's not how my story ends. And there's so much more I have to contribute. So I was fortunate to have the people that, uh, that gave me the opportunities that I you know, continue to have today. Very fortunate. But to be honest, I, I did, I do think that I set myself up. For success there because had I not been doing it freelance in addition to all my other responsibilities for so long I wouldn't have that opportunity right right, right. so for for kids out there that are listening to this or people who were in the same rut as you when you were 17 18 COVID just happened you're going into your first year you're lost you don't know what to do um, not a lot of people would have taken that initiative seeing oh I'm not getting paid why would I want to do this mm-hmm. what what is the biggest lesson or takeaway for you um, that that you took away from that experience? Well, the biggest takeaway is everything you learn during that time. And I think that information is grossly undervalued, especially nowadays. So if someone's lost, you just say uh, advice to them, learn as much as you can, try things out, dip your foot in the water. Advice to them would be to experience as many difficult things as you possibly can all the time, especially when you're young. Because you have that window of time where you can where you can soak that. I would say, yeah, try and do things that are difficult. Try and do things that overwhelm you. Try and do things that stress you out. Try and you know make sacrifices and feel left out of you know the the party scene stuff like that. Just really try to put yourself through. It's not saying you have to go out and you know absolutely destroy yourself, but you want to put your mind under friction. Learn to love eating shit. Learn- Exactly. That's not my saying, that's your saying. But exactly, that's exactly how it is. You have to learn to put your mind under friction. Same thing when you go to the gym and train. You have to put your body under under tension for it to to grow and adapt. You have to break it down and build it up. So the thing I would tell any young kid is the thing that my my younger brother, he's 18, go golfing with him and his buddies sometime. And I tell all of them, like they're going to their first year of university. I'm like, listen, you know, go out and do as many difficult things as possible. Get overwhelmed, get stressed out, fall behind. Yeah, fall behind, fall behind. 
and and feel like you're just honestly just go out there and try to try to stress yourself out try to overwhelm yourself because you're going to learn first of all you're going to learn what your limit is pretty quick you know if and then you're going to learn if that's actually your limit or if that's just your perceived capability you're going to get a ton of real world experience you're going to learn more about people than you ever would sitting in a classroom and you're going to you're going to build up a portfolio maybe not literally like this is all the work I've done, but you're going to build up a mental portfolio of these are all the experiences I've been through. So anytime adversity hits, because it will hit every single person out there, a bad time is on the calendar. As long as you are living and breathing, bad stuff is coming to you, guaranteed. But in those times, you're going to be able to resort to your lived experiences, right? So I went through a lot of uh, stressful times throughout, you know, working two unpaid jobs plus school. It's fortunate that I had, uh, you know, I had family supporting me. I had people supporting me throughout that. Very fortunate, not downplaying that. But I also built up a portfolio of experiences that I knew when something bad happens, what to resort to. Right. And I think that that's really undervalued because unfortunately the way the world is sort of transitioning is that we try to, they're trying to shelter young kids from difficult experiences. Yeah. They're trying to shelter them. And even even now, you talk to people working in companies because a lot of you know my generation, Gen Z, they're entering the corporate world now. They're entering the workforce with people who, you know, maybe baby boomers or you know people who have more experience who grew up in a different time frame, and they're and they're talking about the young kids coming in and they just they, they get too stressed out, overwhelmed. Everybody's on mental leave. Everybody mental health leave. It's like a it's a thing at work. They they'll take what they'll, they'll not be working. And they'll still be getting paid full salary. Jesus There's people who will be at the company for like a month and then go on mental health leave and not be working, but still be getting paid a full salary. You know, it's kind of crazy. I'm not, you know, mental health is real. People definitely need help here, but it's like there's, I would argue that there's almost no resilience in a lot of the new generation coming into the workforce nowadays. What's, what's next? Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's always what's next. What's next is, uh, Still, it's building that portfolio of experiences, right? How much more can I experience? And I'm fortunate that I'm in a place where I'm able to go out and experience the things that I need to become the professional that I want to be. Because I want, I want to be a, a journalist for the rest of my life. Uh, for, for the rest of my perceived life right now. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe, that'll, maybe that'll change. But right now, I know, I know for a fact that, that this job... And being able to connect with people and tell stories, put my name on stories, and spread information, keep people informed, gives me an overwhelming sense of purpose. And I know that this is what I'm meant to do. So yeah, next steps, I, you know, I would love to sort of build up that credibility, become more known in the public eye, become somebody that, that people can trust and people can go to, to just like this, to... to understand different perspectives to learn new things to know what's going on in the world you know i would love that and i think that if i just keep plucking along and getting better you know it's not going to happen overnight it's going to take years it's going to take decades to to get to that point but i'm here for it right because i'm playing the long game right i'm not it's not it's not about the the bigger salary the the time off the the night the faster car the nicer house it's about 
It's about building that foundation of experiences and having that sense of purpose. It's going to drive you to do whatever you want in life. And I think that I got to keep doing what I'm doing, doing more of it. But that's, that's the other thing too, is that soon I'm going to be graduated from school because now I'm, I'm almost midway through my last semester of school. So I'm going to have this whole new budget of time to allocate to different things. And who knows what I'm going to do with that, right? Because the one thing I know is when I have time on my hands, I look for a place to put it. Yeah. Right. So, who knows? Maybe I could start up my own sort of YouTube channel or something. I don't Who knows? I, but I, I just want to keep doing more, right? To achieve anything truly great in life, it's going to take a level of sacrifice, right? So, by giving up that instant reward. Because you're, you're going you're gonna to get reward rewarded in life but it doesn't come without effort and the greater the effort the greater the reward so you can trade it for this short term yeah you know it feels good to be out and this and that but it's that's not going to feel as good as knowing hey i just i just went on this podcast and i had a great time and i killed it and i'm going to be able to look back on this and know that it was a great conversation and people are going to get some value from this i'm sure i'm not the only one who thinks this but it's Kind of contradicting you being your first fourth year right now, right? <laughs> yeah. Elaborate on that, and and share the four year fantasy more in depth. But mm-hmm. Your your views, your values. Yeah, no, that's uh, one of the common things I get when people talk about the book. It's like you write about how college is a scam, but you're still in college or university. To be honest, the the whole premise of the book is not that college and university is a scam. It's that the way people use it is wrong, right? So it's exactly what we talked about. People are going there and they're thinking that it's four years to get a diploma to get a job. It's not. It's four years to use your social proof to get experiences, to get opportunities, right? So me using that right now, it does still give me that social proof, right? Ben Brown, the journalist, is not as intriguing as Ben Brown, the university student who's also a journalist, right? people are going to look at me a little bit differently in that sense. But also, I also have a deep craving to, to do more and to get more experiences. So by going to, to class and listening to these professors, yeah, a lot of the times I don't, I don't agree with half the stuff they're saying. A lot of times I'm sitting there like, why am I here? Right? This, this feels like a waste of my time. But it's also that challenge. And at this point, I've put so much into it that I, I feel that I have to just give it this last run so that I could say that I finished something because you also, you never want to start something and say you didn't finish it. Yeah. So to this next generation, it's obviously going in the wrong direction for lack of better words. Um, what do you say to the parents? Uh, obviously they're a very, very big part of, um, what's going on and the change of this new generation compared to the many last generations. And it is, commonly said that this might be the first time where this next generation isn't doing as well uh, or better than the one previous to them. What, what do you, what are you coming from that? Yeah, I would say for any parent out there, don't shield your child from adversity, right? The common issue, I think, and I'm not telling anybody how to parent their kid, even though I just did. I, I think that the common issue is that they want to shield their children from the hardships that they face growing up. They don't want their kids to ever experience discomfort or to ever feel less than, you know, you hear stories 
parents buying the kids sports teams so that they can get a spot even though they're not good enough just so they can you know feel feel that they're good enough or even you know in minor league soccer they don't keep score anymore you know, everybody it's like or they get the participation they get the participation medal. you know they're trying to level the playing field but it's you have to experience adversity to grow you have to put your mind under friction to grow the same way you have to put a muscle under tension for it to grow. I would say to all parents out there, make sure that you're, you're spending time with your kids, right? Because that's also a, a big issue is how many, how much time do the parents spend with their kids these days? Not much. Who's raising their kids? The internet, what they're consuming. YouTubers. Yeah. TikTok. Look at the attention span the kids have nowadays. A lot of kids spend so much time playing video games nowadays, they can't hold a conversation with you. Or they're so used to talking to someone without looking at their face, that when they're talking to you, they can't even hold eye contact. It's uncomfortable, right? It's like, I'm not used to looking at a face when I talk, I'm used to looking at a screen, right? So I would say to parents out there who, with, uh, with kids, I would say make sure you're spending as much time with your kids as possible. Make sure that you have a clear set of family values in principle, make sure that your last name means something to that kid. I'm a Kerrigan, so I cannot do this, right? It would be an, an embarrassment to my last name. name. So yeah, yeah, I, I think principles and standards are extremely important, especially for younger kids to grow up with that sense of, I'm a this last name, I, therefore I cannot do this because it would be an embarrassment to my family. Um, like most successful people had a rough childhood. It's, you know, the, those sugar spoon fed or whatever the hell the thing is, kids are, you, you don't see them out there achieving hyper successful things as much. It's the formula. Yeah. You have to experience adversity because then it, again, it builds up that portfolio of experiences so that you know what to resort to. When shit gets when, hard. Exactly. David Goggins in his book, I've read his book several times, both of them. He talks about when he was claustrophobic. He was uh, he was in a he was uh, doing some sort of uh, POW prisoner prisoner of war fit training exercise where they put him in this box, this really claustrophobic box, and the box was filled with bees. And the instructors didn't know, and he was getting stung by all these bees. So he became incredibly claustrophobic after that experience, being stuck in that box, getting stung by bees. Though on the plane ride home from that, he was like huddled up by the corner at the airport, sweating, you know, freaking out. So he was claustrophobic. And he talks about how he overcame that. How he overcame that. He got his friend to put him in an MRI machine so that he learned how to talk to himself when he was in that situation. He, so he, he trained his mind to deal with something he was afraid of after a very traumatic experience. And now he, he says that if he was ever in a situation where he feels claustrophobic, he knows how to talk to himself, he knows how to get through that situation. He's built that portfolio of experience. That's his portfolio. Anytime a situation happens, it'll be good. So I think that's very important. And we spoke on this uh, a few of our conversations, but I am curious and feel people, whether it's schoolwork or business or mm. whatever you're doing throughout your day, your structure and how different individuals, I love picking their brain on how they structure different things or different productivity tips or how, how you, you do things. So yeah. for, for your day, what, what does that look like? You're trying to make me talk about the Pomodoro method, aren't you? I, I don't I don't recall what we spoke about. But the thirty minutes on, the break, 
30 minutes on. That's right. Speak on that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is called the Pomodoro method. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a folk, it's a time management method that basically allows you to really focus on something you're doing for, so it's, you know, when you're sitting down and doing something, your, your attention, attention sort of tapers off, off right? So, so your attention, attention may start really high, then it'll taper off. So the whole thing with the Pomodoro method, method is that you reset your attention level. So you start it for 30 minutes and you, for that 30 minutes, you don't touch your phone, you don't, you don't focus on anything other than the task. While that timer is going, your sole purpose is to do that task. So your attention goes, and then once the 30 minutes is up, you stop. You stop the task completely, you take a break. For that break period, you are not to focus, you are not to look at that task whatsoever. Your brain is now redirected to something else for that time limit. So now you can go on your phone, now you can chat with your husband or wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. Your time is, your attention is now redirected. Once that timer is up, you go back. So it's, it's, you, you train your mind to focus on different things at different times. You learn how to manage your attention better. But you also, what, over time, what happens is that you're, instead of your attention going like this, so working for two hours where your attention is going like that and your productivity level is declining, working for two hours, so that's four 30-minute durations yeah. of the Pomodoro Method, your attention looks like this. So you have this, and if you look at that on a, on a graph, the prolonged period of high attention is much greater than the, the two-hour decline. So, so it makes up for those, those breaks. Yeah, exactly. It recompensates, I would say. So I think that the Pomodoro method is very beneficial. I, I wouldn't say that if you're someone who really struggles with, with uh, paying attention and staying focused, I would say start it a little bit shorter at first. 15 minutes on, 5 minutes off. Bump it up to 25 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Then eventually get up to 30 minutes. If you become really good with 30 minutes, bump it up to 45 minutes with a 15-minute break, 20-minute break. But, but ultimately, you want to keep the break shorter than the actual period where you're focused on the task. So do you do this when you're writing? Because I've, I've tried it a few times. Sometimes it, like I, it takes me a while to get back into the rhythm of what I was doing. So I'm sure when you're writing, you just go like it's just it's feeding you stuff, your brain. And yeah. then stopping kind of interrupts that. Yes. So I don't use it all the time for every writing because sometimes like, like I, I said sometimes, sometimes the articles go right away so in that case I'll just sit down finish the article right it's like I'm not doing anything until I finish it but if it's like I'm writing a 10 page essay I'll use it for that right or if I have uh, several different things to do I'll allocate the time to each individual task 30 minutes on this one 30 minutes on the next one and then just sort of cycle through each task, and then over time, you get, you're, so you're not multitasking necessarily because you're, you're allocating time periods to work on each thing, especially as a writer. You know, procrastination, they say procrastination is a part of the process, but it can actually, it's a, that actually does hold some validity because your, your brain needs to sort of have its time to come up with new ideas, new perspectives. So I'd like you to comment on the whole procrastination thing, uh, like, a lot of the audience, I'm sure, could really relate to that or benefit from uh, insights on that. And just the stacking wins of what you've mentioned to me a few times, uh, getting the ball rolling or whether it's just getting started, what, uh, what's worked for you, uh, being whether it's in a rut or just waking up one day feeling like shit, procrastinating. Yeah. 
every day is going to feel different. You know, you're not always going to be at your 100% every single day. But I think that the most important thing, and this comes back to having values, is that no matter how you feel, you have to do your best with what you got, right? And in a world where, you know, we, we sort of pat kids on the back for, you know, it's okay, you don't have to, you don't have to try your best today. You can, you can take your day off, this and that. That's sort of becoming a lost art. Because you, you, you need to... You need to know that you have responsibilities that are bigger than yourself. And I think that procrastination is something that's inevitable for a lot of people. Right? You, you don't want to sort of make that commitment right away. Um, it can be a necessary evil, but when it gets to the point that you're putting things off for way too long, that your effort is going to be, you know, not 100%, that's an issue. That's a problem. And especially when you're competing against somebody who doesn't, yeah, have that kind of, who, who manages their time much better than you, they're going to blow you out of the water 10 times in, time. in yourself in when you're laying in bed and it's 4 a.m. and it's cold outside and you don't want to go for a run or whatever the case is, yourself in that moment, I feel, doesn't, that is, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter how you feel then, but it's the person in three mm-hmm. hours. How are they going to feel? How are you going to think? How is that going to set you up for another six hours? How are you going to feel at noon? You'll probably... Oh, kick an ass even though it sucked for those first few hours so um, another thing we'll we'll run that is is clarity Um, clarity isn't something you can just buy or or you you can get it's very very valuable Um, and it can be wiped out whether it's scrolling through tiktok or sleeping too much or whatever it is what you have to be pretty clear-minded to write these articles i assume or um what, whether it's working, what, what works for you to, to have a clear mind? Well, I'm very fortunate that I have a um, very, very good editorial team. My editor, Tyler, uh, he's killer. And he, it's good to have another perspective on your work, right? I think that when you just look at things through your own lens, it can be very narrow-minded. But when you have a second opinion on something, you can get a lot more benefit. I'm sure you get the same thing when, you, when you're like, I want to approach this job this way. Do you get a second opinion? Oh, 100%. You, you need that second opinion because they're going to point out things that you missed. They're going to fix flaws in the plan. So it's, it's great to have a diversity of views. You never want it to just be so narrow-minded. It's your own view. So yeah, people, other people are extremely important. And they're also extremely important to hold you accountable. I mean, you were talking about uh, waking up at 4 a.m. and going for a run. Yeah, if it's just you doing that, that's going to be very difficult. Yeah. But if you know that at 4.30, Alex is going to be out there waiting for you, right? And he's going to you know, give you a hard time for showing up late. You're probably going to get up. So yeah, people are great to hold you accountable. Um, like setting yourself up for success, I find it so important. Like don't choose the gym that's 20 minutes away. Choose the one that's just down the street or what, whatever it is. Uh, building a team, holding you accountable. Uh, with whatever, there's so many simple things when sure there's that vision, but you, you can, you can take so many different routes to get to that vision. Yeah. Take the easiest fucking route. Right? Well, exactly. 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 And, and not the easiest route, but what's, what's going to make most sense and be realistic. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel that this is something that I, I need to work on a little bit more when I'm talking about these kind of topics is that I, I always, I always look at it from a pr- perspective of the, the individual. But other people are extremely vital to this process. You, you need to have other people who are holding you accountable, other people who you, who you look up to, who inspire you, who teach you new things. 
other people are vital. So, you know, you talk what about New Year's resolutions. resolutions. Yeah, you know, if it's just you trying to get in shape, um, it, it might, might be a little bit more difficult than if it's you and your, you know, partner. Yeah. We're both looking to get in shape. And, you know, so that's on the day where you're not feeling it, they're the one who's going to inspire you. They're the one who's going to pick you up, right? On the day where you where you're, you wake up at 4 a.m., I'm not feeling like it. Like you said, Joey's out there waiting for you. You're going to get up, right? Yeah. You need to feel some sense of obligation to something bigger than yourself. We keep coming back to this topic, but it's true. And maybe that's purpose. Maybe that's other people. Whatever it is, it needs to be something that's productive because the same thing can be said about the negative, right? Yeah, I want to go. I want to spend. I want to spend my night working on this because it's really important to me. But Joey's but, playing video games. Joey's playing video games. Joey's out at the bar. Sarah's gonna be there. This and that. So I'm gonna go do it for them. Whatever. Yeah. As soon as you do that, you lose. Hundred percent. And I've honestly been struggling with that, and it's been awesome. Like all summer, I've been so fortunate. Every single day, I need a gym and to eat in the shower before six forty-five a.m. when I meet my boys at the yard. Yep. And for that, you're, you have to wake up early. You got all this shit to do, so you're obligated. There's no extra time to lay in bed or hit the snooze button. But now we're in our slower season, so yeah. it's all me. There's no one to show up for yeah. except yourself. It's like if your boss asked you to take take the garbage out, I'd take it out because he asked me. But if I just had to do it, I'd probably delay and procrastinate it. Not showing up for yourself and self-respect, I feel the gym really helps with that. Um, but with anything, like show up for yourself and respect yourself and stacking wins just on a moment. Yeah, it's also what that, that kind of stuff does for your character, right? Because when you meet somebody and you can tell that they take care of themselves, whether they're in really great shape, whatever whatever it is, whether they have a great resume of, of things that they've done, but you but you know that you can trust them, that's important. Yeah, That's very important. Your guys know that no matter what, Charlie's going to be here at 645. He's going to be showered. He's going to be caffeinated. He's going to be ready to go. I can't be showing up sloppy. So before we, we wrap this up, Ben, Five years from now, what's what's the projection or, or your goals for now? I know shit changes so fast, but um, what number one that number two? What do you want to leave people with uh, and a message that that you wish you had heard when when you were many years younger? I think Joe Rogan says it really well when he says that weak men create hard times, hard times create hard men. You you've heard it, but to sort of sit. And to sort of sit and say that you're above difficulty, I think is very arrogant. I think it's very arrogant to think that your worldview is the only right way of thinking. That goes for myself as well, right? I don't like thinking that everybody has to be exactly the way I am. I just like explaining what I've learned. Because I think that our experiences in life and all the things that we learn and accumulate over time are meant to be shared. Why else would we be here? Why else would we have to experience the difficult times that we do? You know, a lot of everybody goes through different sort of levels of difficulty and trauma and whatnot. Everybody experiences different levels of success and achievement. But why? These, these things, information is meant to be shared. You're meant to help your neighbor, right? You, you never want to think that the way you view the world is the only right way of viewing it. You never want to think that all the bad things that happen to you are only happening to you. You have to, I would say, for everybody out there, 
experience as much as you can in life because you only got one and it really ain't that long. I would say that your experiences are meant to be shared, good and bad. Yeah. I would say that good things are definitely going to happen to you and, and that bad, bad things are just as definitely, definitely going to come to you. I would say that it's not great to constantly be searching for happiness because you might never find it if you do. And before you keep going, you're, the good things and the bad things are good, but sharing the bad things so other people learn those lessons that 100%. you learned as well. You just did the shit eating. Why don't you tell your buddy so he doesn't have to go through it? Exactly. Right? That's the whole social media thing is I'm my life is perfect. And oh, I'm yeah. Really I'm like, I have no issues. Yeah, I have an Audi. I live in Los Angeles. I do drop shipping. This is how I made $600 million in 20 minutes today. Whatever. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you guys got to realize that good and bad things are going to happen to you. And think about everybody that you resonate with. Do they just talk about how great their life is? Yeah. Probably not. You probably resonate with them because, because they, they talk, talk about the difficulties, difficulties that they face. Because, because they, they share their experiences, experiences how they overcame things, this and that. that. That's, that's, that's what, what resonates, resonates with people because you know what that is? That's authenticity. Authenticity is the most valuable asset that anybody can possess. Right? So when you share the good and the bad, but especially the bad, people are going to resonate with you more. It's not saying you have to talk about how awful your life is, but say, hey, you know. Well, it's I, not playing the victim. It's not playing saying, the victim. It's saying, yeah, bad things have happened to me. This is how I've dealt with it. This is not how you have to deal with it. Just a second opinion. And I really do appreciate you coming on. I appreciate it. Awesome chat. Thank you. Right on. That was